I get up there and I do a mean lip ball. Just a, I'm not doing that elk hunting. No, I, I, I want to go just a little tiny, just. Hey everybody. Welcome to the Hoyt bow hunting podcast. I'm your host, Danny Ferris. And my guest today is Bo Brooks. Bo is a, uh, competition elk caller, a very accomplished one. And somebody that I've been looking forward to meeting for a very long time. Um, I've followed him, his dad's career pretty closely. His dad is Casey Brooks. And uh, uh, Bo, how are you doing today, buddy? I'm doing awesome. It's finally actually talk. It finally gets a good chance to talk to you. I mean, we've been uh, we've uh, our paths haven't quite crossed yet, but it's, I'm glad that it finally happened. We've been in the same building a bunch of times. I have a feeling. <laughs> But yeah, we, I would we have haven't actually that. come face to face, but man, it's good to finally talk to you too. And it's really cool to have you on right before elk season with it knocking on the door right now. Um, so, uh, you know, b- before we jumped on here, we were talking just a little bit about, uh, you know, kind of how you got into elk calling and where you've gone with it. You've got your fingers in some other areas into game calls nowadays but why don't you tell us kind of how you got into competition elk calling okay um so as far as competition calling was i uh i started out as a waterfowl competition caller which i i I, um started out goose calling when i was about nine and as i got a little bit older i've always been an elk caller you know um my dad casey he uh he took me since i was i could walk you know i take off take off school, you know, I mean, I don't know if that's the right thing to do or not. I sure thought so, but. <laughs> yeah, if, if <laughs> you know, mom and dad let you, dude, that's a really cool thing to do. Oh, it wasn't letting. It's, <laughs> you're going <laughs> because I'm going. Yeah. Right, right. But, uh, but no, I am um, at about 18 years old. Um, I started competition out calling. I started in Oregon and I called in it and I got third. Um, and man, I, I'm very competitive. So. Uh, I got obsessed with it. I came back and I've won it and then won a few others since then. Um, and actually, uh, you know, I've called in the world a few times and it's been, uh, it's, uh, been a pretty wild ride. <laughs> so, uh, you're, you've got a bit of a rival on the world competition stage. Um, and it, you've been right there knocking on, on Corey Jacobson's heels quite a few times now, haven't you? Yeah, 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 we we have. Um, you know, Corey is such an amazing person. I'm just gonna get that right off the right off the deal. Corey's an amazing caller and he is a good friend of mine. And uh I wouldn't rather be standing up there with anyone else and just to be on the level to be able to call against him and I mean shoot, he's won it eleven times now. So, you know, it's a it's a privilege. So yeah. but we do we go back and forth and Corey looks at me and he says Oh, I'll see you up there. And I said, I'll see you too. said, if both of us have a mutual, I, we're okay with losing to each other either day. So do you, do you ever hope that he gets a sore throat just one day or something? Just one, a, a little bit of a sore throat that day. <laughs> oh, I told him, I said, I said, Corey, I said, you need to let me win. I'll be out of your hair. I said, I just got to win one time, buddy. And he starts laughing. He says, oh, your, your time's coming, buddy. Oh, I'm and, sure it is. He's, so, a, he's, he's such a good dude though. You, you're only 24 years old. So like your time, <laughs> yeah, I mean, your time yeah. is coming. Um, yeah. And so are, are you still involved in making game calls now or how, how'd you get into that? And at what age? Um, so 
You know, um, what actually got me into making game calls, uh, you know, I'd been in the waterfowl stuff, um, I, competition calling, and then the, I got into the turkey calling about the same time I got into the elk calling, as far as competition calling goes. And I, there's another level of calling, and that, and I think that goes for turkey, that goes for elk, that goes for, and that that's understanding the mouth call. So building my own calls and being able to dial that call in um, right. is so important. And so I started my own game call company, uh, Brooks Custom Calls, um, when I was 18 and in one thing led to another and I, 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 uh, started doing better in competition. And honestly, I think that I've become a better hunter because I understand how to make those sounds that I have between my ears, you know, right. and, and have the right call to do it. Um, and then since then I, uh, was it at grand nationals for Turkey, um, when I was about 20 and I met Brooke, my new boss. And well, I say new, I've been working here for a while now. Um, and I've and gotten where, where is here, where is here, uh, Paducah, Kentucky. Okay, so okay, I and I'm in the, the south now. All right, and you're originally from Washington, right? Yeah, Washington State. Okay, sir. And what, yep. what company are you working for now? So, um, Power Calls and Power Calls is a, was a waterfowl company, Kelly Power started it. And they brought me in to help design the turkey calls and Higdon Outdoors, the decoy company, is the mother company to all of them. And so they brought me in for the turkey side. Turns out I'm a good waterfowl caller. So I tune waterfowl calls, help out with product development there and the TV show. And then um, uh, and then, the, then I'm like, well, I'm a, I can make a heck of an elk call. So we started doing elk calls too. Right, right. So, awesome. Um, awesome, cool stuff. I, I can't. I can't imagine starting my own custom call company at 18 years old, man. That's by the time yeah. you're 28 years old, you're going to be a veteran of, of 10 years. That's, that's crazy. <laughs> um, there's no telling what you're going to do. So in I think that everybody out here has a lot of the same questions when it comes to competition out calling. Um, what are the differences? Like, between what you're trying to do on a competition stage and what you're actually trying to do out there. Do you do everything exactly the same or is it a completely different mindset? Just compare the two, you know, between calling on stage and calling out in the woods when you're actually trying to talk to the elk. Well, man, it's a, it's definitely different. Um, you know, the competition calling, I'll thank it every day. It's made me a better caller. It's challenged me in ways I didn't think I would do. Um, and it really gave me a good inside and out on a call, but I'm calling at the end of the day to a person, right? I'm not calling to a, I'm not calling to, I'm not out in the woods. If I, or if I do stuff that I hear in the woods, that's between my ears. That doesn't mean it's behind it's in between his ears. You know what right. I mean? So right. the judge, so it's, it's very, very, um, there's definitely some crossover there and I try to get cute with it. And sometimes it works for me. Sometimes it doesn't, you know, uh, right. sometimes I want to go, but you know, the th other thing is, is that we're in a competition calling. I get up there and I do a mean lip ball. Just a, yeah. I'm not doing that elk hunting. No. Right. I, right. I, I want to go just a little yeah. tiny, just, and I, and it's more important to me knowing when to say it and timing than it is when I'm hunting, then like on stage, I'm just trying to be put together a pretty little thing. You know, uh, sure. when I'm hunting, I'm gauging, I'm gauging, I'm back and forth with that animal. I'm understanding that animal. And that goes for any type of calling. And so right. I think that I, I don't think being the best elk caller on the planet 
makes you kill elk is understanding what they're saying, when they're saying, how they're saying, and um, being able to, you know, hit those notes at the right time to really strike a chord and pop the bubble. Sure. Is there, you know, I've always felt like um, I see guys that are afraid to call out there in the field, and sometimes it's because they don't feel like they're a good enough caller. Um, I've told a lot of people, some of the worst elk callers that I've ever heard in my life have been elk. Like there's, there's some bulls that just have, I I don't know whether they've shredded their vocal cords or what before, but I've heard some that are absolutely terrible. And, you know, I've always felt like making an adequate, it's nice to be able to sound exactly like them when you need to be able to. And, Mm -hmm. you know, being a guy like you, you can sound exactly like a big, bull elk that is you know in the middle of a rut fest if he wants to you know yeah but, i can say, i can sound like 10 different bulls but it doesn't mean i need to be right you know, uh and so and so i totally agree with that i mean it's it's i i'll tell you there's sometimes you'll hear one that's so bad i'll look over and i go i'm like that, that's gotta, that's be, gotta a be a hunter n- <laughs> or I'll, I'll say it's gotta be a bull because oh, yeah. you're yeah. like there's no way there's no way that this and and you know it's it's what the one thing as far as hunters versus elk, yep. I can always tell is the end of the call. Okay. You know, I hear, hear the, at the end of it, I can hear the, I can hear the guttural. I can hear the, even on a pipey bull. Right. And that's where, you know, there's a power bugle is a, yeah. if, he, if the bull's tight enough, you can usually tell, you know, because there's, there's certain things that that, that call can't hit and that, that any elk can hit. Right. Right. So. The, yep. the guttural part at the end of it yeah yep exactly and you can hear it just how they end it too it's just a it's really interesting you know it when you're out hunting and you're listening to bulls just uh that that and it's something that even the end of a bugle i don't think that i and quote, quote unquote we're some of the best elk callers on the planet i don't think that we can end a bugle like an elk can right or, yeah. There's a lot of sounds that I just don't do. I can't do it. Like a at the end of it, you know, where he's he's growling. Sure. Like, I can't do that. Yeah. Yeah. And and um man, what do you figure in your opinion, what are the some of the biggest mistakes that guys make when they're out there when they're out there bugling and try or well when they're calling elk? Man, um there's 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 over calling there's too little calling um you know it's really it's hard to hard to say you know as far as calling goes because everyone has their own way of doing things so sure. with me i'm 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 a mixture so you ask Corey. Corey likes to bugle yeah that's all Corey likes to do and he likes to get in there and if they're not bugling back at him you didn't like to hunt him for the most part right um you know there's jay scott jay scott all he wants to do is cow call at him yeah. And, and Jay will bugle at him if he has to, and they both work really well. I like to be right in the middle of that. I like to, I like to, I like to listen. I like to, I try different things. So when I step up and I, everyone steps up and they're going to knock a bugle right off the, you know, you're ca- calling off into this Canyon. Right. Um, I think that when I, I step up there, I get up there and I, I call through my bugle tube and, and I cow call. Right. I started off by cow calling through my bugle tube. I don't start it off with a bugle right off the bat. I want to be different. I want right. to be, and, and, and it carries down through those nooks and crannies. And I think one of the other big things that people mess up on is they're too soon to give up. 
right? If that makes any sense. If you're yeah. hunting from, let's say you're hunting from the truck, you step out of the truck, you bugle, you slam the door, and you leave. Right. No. Get down in there, sit down, and work your way through it, and listen, and listen, and listen, and listen. Early season, they may not even bugle, and you hear, and there's a bull standing there at about 20 yards. Sure. You know? Sure. And so that's where drumming up elk and getting in there and, and, and being pretty about it and listening and really listening. That Growing up with my dad, he would, I mean, he would yell at me. I'd be sitting there and I'd step on a twig and I'd be sitting there. And we'd sit there for 30 minutes in one spot. Right. I go, I'm like, Dad, we got to leave. He said, no, no, no. Just keep listening. And then all of a sudden I hear, or you'd hear, or something, you know, just something real yeah. small. Right, right, you know? right. Some light sound. And sometimes those are the best working bulls. Sometimes you get those ones ripping. If you finally can get them to start doing stuff, they'll. It's like a. It's like getting the wheels turning in their head, and they just come on unglued. Sure. Uh, so, so a lot of it's just reading the the situation that you're in. Then. Absolutely, the time of year, the situation, and not giving up. I mean, really, just there's almost all the time there's going to be a bull that you can drum up if you've got water and water and feed and all that stuff. You know, you will you'll be able to find a bull. Right. So, um, yep. There's a there's a lot of time. one one of the guys that taught me. There was a guide that I hunted with. Oh, yeah, I was actually guiding with him, and it was probably eight or nine years ago now. But um, mm-hmm. this guy was really good at subtle bull calls, and I've tried mm-hmm. to explain to people before. If you, it, it's pretty easy to get up there if you've practiced a lot, and rip a bugle. You know what I mean? Just blow one out real hard. What isn't easy is making very quiet, subtle bedroom bull sounds, like those little chuckles that you're talking about, like those little guttural groans and moans. And this guy, he didn't hardly bugle loud at all. He'd, he'd he'd, He'd cow call pretty vocally every now and again, but when it came to his bull talk, it was always those little, and I mean, you couldn't hear them, but for maybe a hundred yards through the trees or something like that, you know, the whole Canyon wasn't hearing it, but man, did they respond to him a lot. And some of what you're describing is, is what those bulls do in those trees. Yeah, I, I totally agree. You know, that's a, that's a thing too, is read your situation. I mean, you get in there and you get too tight and I, You know what's funny is early in the season, I don't know how to explain it. If I get a bull ripping about, I'd say September 8th. That's when I, it seems like year after year, September 8th, if I finally get one to rip, they're, they're ready to roll. You know, they're, they're, when they finally start ripping and you're able to get in there and you're able to yell at them. But when they've been, they're getting a bunch of bulls around them and stuff. Best thing you could do is just get in there real tight and actually just methodically think and just say, and then when you get in tight enough, just let off and stuff. Yeah. 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 And, just, and that they're like they're like oh no that's one of those satellite bulls are in they're in my bedroom i'm gonna i'm gonna go and whip some butt you know what i mean it's funny you mentioned so. september 8th that's a that's my birthday and it's a bad luck day well, for me <laughs> it, is it really uh september 10th is my good luck day um oh. <laughs> september 8th if there's gonna be a storm if anything bad's gonna happen it's gonna happen on september 8th but it, it's uh so i i've paid attention to that that particular day a lot because of that yeah. um but you're right that's about when those bachelor groups are finally breaking all the way up and they're really interested mm-hmm. in finding those cows 
Um, they're trolling. Yeah, they they're are trolling. They are trolling. Yeah, and and you I, can dig them up. That's yeah. the best part. They're not, it's not like they're just all screaming everywhere. They're they're it's right here. It's in their head. They're thinking yeah. about it. Yep. And yep. and they're they're very very vulnerable at that point. Well, and uh, a couple of questions. I got so many questions going through my head. I'm afraid I'm going to forget to ask you one. But that September, end <laughs> of the first week of September time frame or something like that, a lot of the seasons, like in Utah, for instance, those seasons okay. are in late August. And a lot yeah. of times those bulls are still bachelored up. What's your, what's your approach during that earlier season? Okay, that's a good question. Um, is that, and I'm a I'm a guide, so that's the other thing I do. I guide, and I start about we start August like 26 to 31st in Oregon, right? And I like hunting mule deer. Don't get me wrong, we do mule deer hunts, but the second someone shoots a mule deer, I'm taking a elk hunting, right? You know, right, right, right. <laughs> and, and and so you know, there's a lot of different ways that we go about it. You know, um, hunting them over wallows. That's sure. a that's a great way to do it. As far as and is not calling glassing them up and getting in their way um you know especially if they're coming off feed but man um if you're calling them i treat it i treat it as though you're never going to hear them bugle you know what i mean i get by water i get in there i sit down and i don't i don't leave i I don't sit longer than i don't sit or i don't let me see it would be at least at least a half hour you know what i mean right And, and and i'll go another quarter mile just go up there and i'll sit down and i'll call again i'll listen and i'll listen and i'm what i'm not listening for a bugle i'm listening for a twig breaking and i'm listening for is there they're thinking about it by then their velvet's off i've heard them this last year i got into a wad with my uh with my mom and there was five bulls screaming in it august 31st i mean mm-hmm. just going crazy yeah. so there's they're in they're, the meatballs they're going to be they'll, they'll get going early but right but my, I'm trying to get into those meatballs are tough because a lot of times those are small five points and six points that are running a herd of, you know, ten to hundred cows. You know what I mean? Sure. Because they're still in that summer summer groove. Right. Um, but if I can get in there and I can find one of those bur- bulls early and I can dig them up with cow calling and some light bugling. Right. Um, have an arrow knock. That's all I can say. Yeah. And <laughs> you know, so uh, I should have qualified this. Let's say that you're hunting a place that has water all over the place. You know, wherever the yeah. water's limited early season, that's a no-brainer. You know what I mean? Yeah. But there yeah. are places like here in Colorado where I hunt where there's, man, there's a stream in every one of those canyons. There's not really, you know, yeah. there might be a wallow or two around here and there, but they're not, yeah. they, it's not concentrated. They, they can yeah. water just about anywhere that they want to. So if yep. you are trying oh. to call that time of year, are you leaning toward cow calls more than you are bull cow bull calls? Um, yeah, you know, yeah, I'm not going to get up there and just sit there and rip all day like later in the season. You know what I mean? Sure. And if I do get one to bugle, I'm not going to get in there and I'm not going to scream in his face. You know, because I, I, I want to get in there. I want to cow call and get him curious. I want to get him to come looking for me. Um, but yeah, that's a, that's a good question. And, um, as far as like in Oregon, there's a lot of places, there's a lot of water everywhere. Yeah. And, you know, later in the season, those elk come down. So speaking to that, you want to find where the bulls are because they're not with the cows yet. The cows usually hang hang down lower in the fields and everything like that. You get up where the bulls are and they're at those higher altitudes. Right. So going up to where the bulls are going to be and you can get into those wads of elk, you're going to go, you can, you can have some pretty dang good opening weekends. Sure. If you get in there when where they're at, 
Sure, because they're really, I mean, when a, when a bull comes out of velvet, he's darn near ready. He's, he's ready at any point. He's just waiting for the cows to be ready, correct? Yeah. Yep, yep. He's, and, yeah, you know, and I'll see, I mean, there's, there's elk that go later in the season that don't, don't get in it till the 15th, but there are going to be bulls that are ready to rock. Right. And, and you're, you're trying to dig him up. You know what I mean? Yeah, yep. Just pique his interest, and uh, he's probably been hanging out with the boys all summer long. And yep. like you said, a lot of times those cows are hanging out in completely different areas in that summer yep. phase than the bulls are. And yep. so when all of a sudden they hear a cow calling, it might be the first time in a couple of weeks they've heard a cow calling. Because the cows yep. aren't usually up there in, their, in the same area necessarily. No, no, no. And then, uh, but I mean, and then it, I, I'll, I'll, I'll touch on this real briefly too. You know, as the elk get into the rut better. Mm-hmm. I'm noticing more and more on these public lands and um, dad and I will go run around and we'll hunt. We, dad had, dad will get some good tags and we'll go hunt some good units. These elk like in Oregon, Washington, and even Idaho a little bit, they're getting pretty call shy. So that early time period is a good time to call them in. There's a, when they're screaming like crazy like that, sometimes your best um, option is to shut up right, and just get in the middle of them and just be real sparing with your calling. Right. Because, I, and that's coming from somebody that's, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like I sound like an elk and it's, I get in the middle of yeah, them and I cow call. If anyone and does, you do. <laughs> you, you do yeah, sound like an elk. Well, it's, it's amazing though. How do they know? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm in the middle of them and I just do it. And they're all blowing up out of there. It's, really? they're just, they've been called and it's, it's crazy or you know, that Oregon and Washington, Oregon's going to a draw next year, so it might help a little bit with the pressure. Right. But there's a lot of pressure nowadays. I mean, um, I heard the other day that Colorado was up 70,000 people in their, uh, in their applicant application process. Yeah, I don't want to go down. I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. I'm not happy with how Colorado's treated that situation. But, yeah, it's a problem here. It, yeah. it's, it's a problem. And, you know, part of the problem is because all, all of the states around us are a draw. And we are yeah, everyone's exactly. plan B. So well, if, I, if they don't draw here or there, they're coming to Colorado in an over-the-counter unit. And now, therefore, Colorado is loaded up. And we've got a game commission that thinks that, you know, elk hunting is exploding. Well, it's not necessarily that elk hunting is exploding. It's that there aren't very many options. No, I totally agree. And living in Kentucky, I talk to people every day going to these shows and stuff and water, for, for waterfowl. But everybody comes up to me and they're like, I've got my first elk hunt this year. I'm like, awesome. Where you go? I, I already know where they're going. Colorado. It's Colorado. Everyone's yep. going to Colorado. And yep. it's, uh, and I hear horror stories from everyone that's done it. It's like, I go in and I hunt for 10 days back in the back country and I didn't hear or see an elk the whole time. And I, I mean, I think partially part of that is, is getting too deep. And I think that hunting closer to the road can be very helpful because you burn spots out. People, if there's three parties back in there, they've already bumped the elk out of there before you even got there. Yeah, so being able right. to be mobile and hunt a mile to six miles from the truck and be back in your truck to be able to relocate is huge. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. So mm-hmm. along those lines, you were just talking about just pressured elk. When you do, you know, get into that later part of the season or regardless of when it is, if you are hunting elk that are definitely pressured, yeah. what's your, what's your approach? Does that mean that you throw the calls away completely or 
do you just get subtle? And so that's a great question. It really depends. Sometimes I, it, it, there's a lot of different options there. If, if I've been hunting elk and it usually read the situation. So if you're getting elk that run away every time you call at them, probably a good indication to throw your calls out and, and just get in there and hunt them like you would. Uh, Spot and stalk them. Spot and stalk or using your ears and getting the wind right. Because they're going to be, when they're like that, they're screaming and cow calling all over the place or just, he's grabbing her cows and running up here, running up there. And having your buddy behind you at about 200 yards screaming to keep him bugling is huge. Right. And, and so, um, but in other situations, I get real subtle with them and I slide in there and I try and just a lot of cow calling and then real pretty stuff trying to, trying to pop their bubble. You know what I mean? Sure. So it's, it's really, it's really dependent on how the elk are acting, you know, I mean, if you're hunting a lot of pressured elk, though, I would not get in there and start screaming at them and right. doing what everybody else is doing. I mean, it's, that's the biggest thrill ever, right? You get in there and you scream oh. at a bull, he screams back. And, and it's, it's, it's the funnest part about elk hunting, for sure, is, mm-hmm. is that interaction. interaction, And that's, that's why they're my favorite species to hunt, is because yeah. of that interaction. Um, so it's kind of a bummer when yeah. you're throwing the interactive part out, oh. but sometimes it's absolutely necessary. Yeah, um, and, and it's sad. It's and my dad will tell you he's like this. He he'll he'll say he says this is an elk hunting. So I know, dad, but you know it's yeah. We we love hunting them. I love. We they're still bugling. Sure, so it's, it sucks. Sure. But uh, we you know we got to be smart. And he totally agrees. You know he's he'll be the first one to tell you he's like okay, Bo, you, Bo, you sit back here. I'm gonna slip in. And when I slip, dad in, that something's gonna die. Sure. <laughs> you well, know what that is. And like you were saying, you know. A lot of it is just paying, isn't it just paying attention to what the elk are doing? Absolutely. I mean, I always, <laughs> I've told people, you can't be the Pentecostal that steps up into the Catholic church. The yeah. Pentecostal that comes up into the Catholic church and starts speaking in tongues and flopping around on the ground, the Catholics look at him like, like he's possessed and they're mm-hmm. all wanting to run out of the building. You know I totally what I mean? understand that because I'm a Catholic. That's like yeah. <laughs> So <laughs> if a guy jumps up and starts clapping his hands and, and speaking in tongues in the middle of mass, you're going to be nervous about him. Oh, um, yeah. And, nope. you know, it, it's you're you're doing something in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah. And when the elk aren't in that mood and you come in there and you rip one off, um, yeah. it, it, it's the same reaction. You know? And even even if they are in that mood, I mean, they can be screaming all they want, but if they're in the mood that they run every time a bull gets, I mean, they'll get other bulls to come by. If they're running, yeah, just just this understanding, you know, reading the situation. Because there's other times, you know, you get up there, you cow call one time, and he goes, and then he then yeah. get there for a second, and he goes, and then here he comes running up the hill, like, don't call anymore, shut up, get your arrow knocked, and make him come look for you. It's just like turkey hunting. Sure. Sit down, shut up, and get ready. So sure is you know. uh, is the rule don't call to an elk that's coming at you. Is that something that you follow? It really depends. Is I and 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 it's a good example of this is in Washington a few years ago. I had a little public land spot that I hunted, and it's it's actually pretty big. I had to walk in a long ways, and I get in there, and I'm calling, and I'm calling, I'm calling, I'm calling, I'm listening, and this is later in the season, but these are Cascade Roosevelts. Right. And so, and they're not a full Roosevelt, but they're it's still thick, and it's I'm I'm listening. They don't bugle a whole lot, 
and I'm going along and I look down and I'm, there's some elk tracks and there's not a ton of elk in the spot. So I know he's in here and I just sit down and I sit down and I just cow call and I listen and I listen, nothing. And I step up and I step on a twig and he goes, okay. Oh. And so, okay, I'm going to, I'm, I know I, I'm going to sit down. Is, he, he bugles. He's looking for me. I right. call, I call nothing, nothing. And I call again, and he bugles in the same spot. I slip down the hill a little bit farther, cow call. And it's, it's a, you can hear the tempo change though. It was a, and this time it's a, and he yeah. steps it up. I right. said, okay, I'm just going to shut up. And so I, I shut up. He knows where I'm at and he's coming right. up through there and he bugles right in front of me. And I go like this and I turn and it's super thick right here. And I'm on a road right. and, I go, and I call straight behind me, right. like across the road. And he's, and you can just hear him. He screams, cuts me off and he turns and I can hear him turn, come straight towards the road. And he comes across it and steps right out and I draw my bow. And I, this is, <laughs> this is a crack up because I never would have thought this would have happened. And I go, to stop him, he's at 40 yards. Right. And he turns and looks dead at me and just comes straight at me. And I shot him straight on. So, oh, but really? It's just understanding to me, under, it, it is understanding kind of when a bull's coming is guiding him. Right. I don't always shut up. You know, I want him to come look for me, but when I, there's certain times that I want to check in on him and then keep him in the right direction so sure. he doesn't get above me and win me. Sure. And, yeah. And, uh, so it's, and it's, it's, Funny you say that because last year my son and I had exactly that situation where there was a bull coming up through there. Yeah. He was coming to our calls. Yeah. And he got down there to where I could see him about 100 yards through the trees. And I was the one shooting. My son was up behind me with mm -hmm. a video camera and he was calling. Yeah. Uh, well, and he had, he had kind of shut up. You know, I told him, be quiet, stop. And I can see the bull coming up through the trees. And I thought, there's bet he's bound to give me a shot coming through here and I didn't want him to pinpoint me. So I didn't make a call. Well, smart. he, well, he veered out there at like 35 yards oh, okay. and the route that he took, he never, there was never an opening. And the next thing you know, he's behind us. He's up there where the, where the wind is coming, you know, yeah. and, and he got into our wind and boogered the whole situation. And it was because I froze up and was so afraid that he might pinpoint exactly where i was yep. i should have given him that other call yep. like you're talking about yep and especially if he can't see you when he's coming up through there you know what i mean that's yes a, that's a good opportunity to do it to cow call because he doesn't forget where that other cow call came from up behind right. i mean he's he's thinking about that the whole time and it's just like a turkey when you walk away and come back he's standing right there where you were at you know what right. i mean and so um no that's it that's it i mean it's and that then it goes to cow calling too much you know, just sit there yeah. Yeah. Don't give him any, you, you give him everything. There's no rope left to bring in. And he just goes up above you and wins you. Sure. You know what I mean? Because sure. he's, he's like, oh, I got all the time in the world. There's this cow doesn't, I mean, there's a few of them in here. I'm going to get in the middle of it. Well, just a second ago, when you were telling your story, you talked about turning your head and cow calling behind you. Do you, uh, do you often use your grunt tube to project your call where you want it to be? It really depends. So I, I call. I'll, sh I'll show you. Do you care if I call on here? No, not at all. Not at all. So I call off the side of my mouth. Okay. And I do a video on my YouTube channel on uh, bow hunting. It's called okay. bow hunting. So um, on, on advanced cow calling, but it's using the side of your mouth. So 
And so I'm, I can throw it at different, that adds, that sounds like two different cows. It, you know, it's, it, but I use the side of my mouth and I go like this and I turn my side of my mouth and go, and, and the bugle tube is awesome for that, but there's not a lot of times if a bull's actually coming up through there, right, right, right. And and so that's the greatest part about a mouth call. So so for those of you that can't, I mean, the audience can't see you. So what Bo is doing is he's literally, he's, he's cow calling and he takes his hand to kind of deflect it out of the left side of his mouth and then out of the right side of his mouth. And he, he, he's literally pitching one to the left and pitching one to the right. Yeah. And, and so different directions and, and, and I mean, using your mouth and it is so important and using your hand and that whole thing. So, you know, you can get quieter by closing your mouth. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, yep. and, and so understanding that, you know, a lot of people, when they cow call it, and we're getting off subject, but this is really important. Okay. Um, okay. So understanding that um, using your jaw and your mouth can change so much for you. So okay. just me just going, this is the standard what it, most people do. They go. <coughs> they go from a smile to a who. Keep your smile wide open and drop your jaw. Or throwing it out of the side of your mouth. See, so, so you everything Bo's doing right there is just manipulating the position of his mouth, his lips, yep. as he's making the call. Yep. And some of the times he's leaving the right side of his mouth open. Some of it's his left side and, and, of his mouth. So you don't even need to use your hand. You can just right. pick it off the left side of your mouth. And just turn your head slightly. So if the bull's coming in, you want him to. Go, I want to go left because you're gonna have a way better shot opportunity that way. Just turn your head slow, just like you're picking up your binos. You very slowly look at yeah. him, or you just slowly turn to go yeah. out of the side of your mouth. The turn back, and you're ready to roll. Okay, so, so. Pr- people need to practice opening their mouths more, closing closing their mouths more, using their lips. Get yeah, get your jaw and your and your lips into it so that you. And then you'll then your elk vocabulary will grow oh, exponentially. By, by, yeah, yeah, a lot. Yeah, no, that's really cool. Are there kind of changing the subject a little bit? Is there are there any calls in particular like you that you feel every elk hunter ought to have? They ought to know, and they ought to have them ready in their arsenal. Like, yeah. there, are there a couple of in particular calls that? That people need to have. You can, in my opinion, you can go anywhere and kill an elk with this with a cow with a with a good cow call. With a good cow call. With a good cow call. I mean, um, like I said, understanding instead of just doing the the yeah. ew, doing the o, doing the yeah. you know, yeah. you can you can you can kill any bull you want to. Just eventually, just working your way through them, you'll you you can break them. Right. Um, Sometimes well, I've, I've heard some uh, some competition callers talk about like a challenge bugle, and a lot of people don't understand what a challenge bugle is as compared to a regular bugle. Well, I don't. I have. A, I don't really get into that whole thing. I just think have, for a bugle, having a really good high pitched, you know, bugle right. is important, and 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 so that's your. 
And I don't think getting on the end of it, I'm going to bugle for you. Is this going to blow yeah, it out? Go, go, no, just maybe point it the opposite direction so it yep. doesn't peak too bad. Like, not getting too crazy with it. Just, I mean, that's not a, that's not anything too crazy. That's a, yeah. and, and I mean, it, it's, that's so important because you get in the middle of them, you can just do a root. It's, it's not too challenging. It's not too big. It's, but, it, but being in the right position and knowing when to say it, that's where, and having the emotion in it is challenging. Right. So, um, and, and so adding that little guttural part just, that you did at the end, the, oh, yep. is, yeah. is important. Yeah, and I and mine and there's other people that go. Okay. I I'm not huge on that. I like I don't think I'm good enough. I don't think that elk callers that you hear it and it's it's just not the same. Right. And so just being Wee! Oh! and right. just ending it and just and, and I think that's really important. So you don't you don't need to be able to chuckle and all of those things. You just you need chuckling, a good standard. Good. It is good to know, yeah, but yeah, uh, it, you know for the for the guy that struggles, yeah, um, yeah, for the struggles. You can absolutely get away with having a good bugle and a good cow call, and and uh, you know that's where adding another elk elk sound, an extra twenty percent, and understanding that can give you an edge. Right. Because there's a lot of times where I get in the middle and I just go. <laughs> you know it's just a real yep. pr- just a <laughs> and i yep. won't even bugle that's just what i'm doing the whole time and that's right. where like drumming up bulls i really like that that cow right. calling and then a little bit of chuckling and nothing too crazy you know kind of some some of that subtle bull talk that we were talking about where yeah. you're not applying all the power exactly yeah. yeah, yeah. It's it's so hard to explain what i do every time because i get that question what do you do when the time of year can change it. Right. How warm it is can change it. What time of day, how that bull's acting, pressure. I mean, there's so many different things, but just practicing understanding, like understanding elk and understanding your situation can be so important. Now, what, what's your opinion on a bite and blow compared to using a, uh, uh, a diaphragm call? Um, you know, I know a lot of guys who don't even mess with the diaphragm, especially when it comes to cow calls. They're grabbing their bite and blow. To me, to my human ears, it doesn't sound as natural. It doesn't yep. sound as good. Yep. However, I've been out there with guys, and I'm sitting there giving them diaphragm cow calls, and the bull doesn't answer. And my buddy picks up that doggone bite and blow and gives a few meow, 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 and he answers. Oh, and, it, and it'll... And that's um, that's where I'll get into the turkey. The turkey cut hunting meshes into elk hunting. It's having okay. your bag of tricks. Okay. Having I, I've I've had I exactly that same situation. I've had that happen to me. You know, I'm cow calling, and then I have my buddy with me. Like, okay, hit him with the hit him with the bite and blow. Yeah. And just, yeah. And they just wah. I mean, uh, as far as a hoochie mama, I don't know. But I'm yeah. but as far as a good bite and blow call, I have yeah. one with me always. Right. So, right. so it's, it's 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 it honestly works, you know? It's uh it's uh it's loud, a little bit louder than your uh, mouth call and yeah. it really can strike a chord that these bulls, you know, maybe they've only heard mouth calling all season and and you you know, there's a cow in that I mean, you've heard cows too though that they sound like that. They're yeah. 
Yeah. You know. Matter of fact, there was one year in New Mexico where I was trying to, well, we had a bull that was talking to us and all of a sudden down the, down the hill to the left of us, yeah. this cow call just goes bananas. Yeah. And I mean, it sounded exactly like one of my sons when they were 10 years old with a biting yeah. bull call, just, just, yeah, 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 you know, and yeah. I would have sworn. I would have bet you, I would have bet you a thousand dollars right there on the spot. That's another hunter down there. And as, as a matter of fact, I was telling my cameraman that was with me on that. We've got to get in front of this bull and cut him off before he, because the bull sounded like he was going to them. Yeah. And, and I was like, man, we've, we've got to cut him off. Cause these, they, they're going to call him in, you know, yeah. we got to get in his path. Well, it, a long story short, I was wrong. It was, those were live cows that were calling like that. And I, it's not the first time I've been fooled. I've been fooled by a hunter. And it, this was the first Everyone. time that I can recall where I would have swore that that was a hunter and it was an actually a, a cow. Yeah. You know what I mean? But yeah. um, it, it's, it's funny how that goes. I, I personally believe that the, the, the bite and blows, even though they don't sound as good to me, definitely work. But I always tell those guys that use them, if you would learn how to use that diaphragm as well, yeah, it opens up a whole new world. It, it's, you know? it's a, what you can do with a mouth call and an elk vocabulary. I mean, it's huge. It's, yeah. you're, you're right. You're with a, with a bite and blow call. You're yeah. And with a cow call, you could go, you know what I yeah. mean? Sure. And so it's, it's a, it's huge. Yep. And, and it's hands-free, you, and it's, you, you and know, it's hands-free, hands-free. And actually, as soon as we get off of this, I'm going to go back and start doing uh, practicing more out of the sides of my mouth. You were really good with that, honestly. Well, like, I got a, I got one cow call for you guys. That this is my, this is Bowbrook's secret. You ready for this? It's not a secret, but this is, this is. If you want to light up, light up elk on a mouth call. And this is a cow that I use, and it drives them insane. Okay, it, I, I go. And a lot of people have done it, but this is, this is, this works really well. You know, it, where are you going? Some people call it the estrus and right? yeah, whatever it is. You know, I, I call it an elk killing machine. So, <laughs> you know, it's, and, and it's, and that's a later Later in the season, and what I, I'll do it through my, what, here, I can do it through my tube. And this is yeah. like lighting bulls up in a canyon. Right. I sit and I'll go over a canyon, and that's what I, that's what I do to light up bulls constantly. Right, right. So, um, what, do you, what difference do you think adding, uh, adding the grunt tube and, and putting it through that grunt tube, what difference does that make for you? It can make a big difference. It's, it's. Just an, there's another one of your, another one of your tools sure. you know, in your tool bag. And so, um, yeah, no, calling with a bugle tube, when you get in tight, if he's hung up, it's a good tool to try, though. I mean, sometimes right. it's just enough to break them. But for lighting bulls up over a canyon, if you're in a high-pressure situation, I don't always use it. A lot of times I like to just get in there and do some light stuff, then move into it. But sure. if, you're, if you're out there trying to light bulls up and they're bugling good, just through that bugle tube and... It usually is. Wow! Right, right, right. I'm very, I'm very vocal with my, with my, uh, with my explanations, but 
Yeah. <laughs> no, probably, no. That's, I, I think everybody's gonna gonna appreciate that about you, honestly. Um, so if here's here's another question. You were talking about how Corey likes to bugle and how Jay Scott is a is a cow call guy, and I, I've yeah. heard those arguments a lot of times, and how you like to kind of be in the middle of that, and yeah. you know, somewhere in between, and that's kind of my philosophy as well. Yeah. Um, but would you say that if you, if, let's just say that you were restricted this year and it's like, man, you can either use cow calls or you cow can calls. use bull calls, but you cow can't call. use both. Cow calls every time. You're going to go, you're going to go cow calls. I would go cow calls because I'm not going to blow any elk out by cow calling at them for the most part, you know? Okay. Yeah. And, uh, and, 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 um, but here's a th- like with Corey, he goes through and he finds the bulls that want to that want to scream at him, and usually those are pretty dominant bulls. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. as a guide and as a as a as a hunter that likes to shoot five and six point bulls, you know, <laughs> sure, sure. I like having a, I like having. A, I I know I'd I'd be totally in on just using cow calls. Sure. And we're not, well, not all of us are hunting the Deseret every year either. You know, there's no, some, no. there's some places where you're going to hunt where you're going to be a whole lot more choosy than yeah. over the counter units in Oregon, for instance. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know what I, I think, mean? Yeah, and I think I would, even on the Deseret, I would use that because the, those bulls get all, I've heard that they get just balled up there. And that, if in a balled up situation, I want to get in there and just cow call at them and just work my way through them. You know what I mean? Sure. Sure. So. No, that is. That is super cool. Um, I'm trying to think there was something else that I wanted to ask you just a, just a few minutes ago. So, you know, you don't get into this situation very often, but when you get into a rut fest yep. where you've got, man, there's four or five bulls sounding off up in front of you, cow calls calling from all over the place, <laughs> what's your play then? <sighs> And it, it and it's rare. It, you know, yep. most guys have only been. You know, I've been bow hunting a very long time, and I've only been in a handful yep. of what I would call rut fests. You know, yep. but it, yep. but they do happen. Yeah, they do. They do. And it, it we we call them. My dad and I we call them meatballs. And um, man, it's you got this. Goes right back to knowing where you're at. If I'm down in New Mexico or or on the Deseret or something along the, or like our one of our private ranch, uh, private ranches or something like that. Um, sometimes the private ranches, the bulls come from the public, but the ones where they're not getting pressured. Right. I get in there and I make them do stuff. I get in there and just yelling at them, screaming at them. And, and I mean, but I'm, I'm getting in, I stay quiet till I know I'm on them and I get right in the middle of them. Then I, then I light them up. You know what I mean? Right. And so I, I, um, but if I'm on a public one that where they've been pressured a lot, I probably just shut down and be quiet and get in the middle of them. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep. And I just, I just try and get in the middle of them and work my way through because they're going to be running all over the place, chasing cows and back and forth, running around, running this bull off, that bull off. And eventually if you get on the edge of his cows, he's going to come running out and grab her or a satellite bull and you're sure. going to get a shot at him. Right. So just so. sneak in until you see the, see the first bodies and then stay put. Yeah, and then and then if if you want to if he's and then see what he's doing if he's not coming all the way around get in there as tight as you can get to him, and then do and then, I mean once you're in that bubble if you can imagine a bubble, you just let off a yeah or a yeah. <laughs> I mean yes. he usually will stand up out of his bed and scream and come running over or whatever you know he's like okay I'm done 
there's another question. You just mentioned stand up out of his bed. So um, a lot of the guides that I've guided with have different opinions on this. And a lot of times uh, the guides, they're they're, they're also affected by, you know, they don't want to do anything to push elk off of the property that they're guiding as well. Mm -hmm. However, um, you've got some people that once those elk get in their bed and kind of go into shutdown mode, that's they want to go to lunch and leave them be for that period of time. Um, there's other people who believe that that period when those cows all bed down, the bull isn't necessarily worried about where all of them are at one time. All of them are right here in this group and they're all bedded down and they're being calm. They believe that that's a very good time to pull that bull away from those cows. What is, what is your opinion? My favorite time to kill a bull is right then. Mine is, too. Yeah, <laughs> that's, why that's, that's, yeah. that's mine too. Yeah. When they're bedded down, uh, if I can get him bugling or I know where he's at and I can get in there and pop that bubble, because he's not moving. He's not taking his car, cows and running off as soon as you get into it, get near him. You know, it's a really good time to kill a bull. I mean, it's, I, it's, 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 it's it. It's a really good time to kill a herd bull, in my yes, opinion. That's, and that's and a, I, I feel like it is... Um, Anytime that they're feeding or moving and all his cows are up and moving in different directions, he, he's trying so hard to keep tabs on where all of them are at that particular time or yeah. when they're moving from feed toward their bedding area. That's when he's usually the most vocal trying to keep all those cows in that tight little cluster or where he knows where all of them are. Yeah. Well, when they all bed down, he knows exactly where all of them are. And he can chill for a second. And usually and he, what you hear is... Yes. Yes. Yep. Just that little that yep. little subtle call that I was talking about earlier that's hard yep. hard to learn how to make. Yeah, and I I I'm totally with you. You know, that's that's the thing when they're moving to a spot or from a spot, they could be going to an alfalfa field that's 7 miles away and they're that's running right. dead sprint and you're just you hear them screaming like, "Oh my gosh, here they come." And, "Oh my yeah. gosh, there they are. They're gone." <laughs> yeah. By the time they slow down and they're in that they're up in the shade, they're in the water, they're happy, even if they haven't completely bedded down yet, it's a good time to get in on them. You know, hunting those small it's a good good example. Your herd bull, your smaller bulls like right before dark. You know, that's a good time to light them up because they're right. by themselves a lot of times and they're really, they stand up, they're ready to go and they bugle their little tiny bugle and they come running in and you, and you, you swap them. A yeah. five point party, but uh, mm-hmm. so for, it's a, it's a, it's a really cool, it's really good that you brought that up because man, I, I don't, I, I don't really like giving up on bulls about that time. I love, I love working. I hunt from from september 1 to september 26 i hunt from 3 a.m till 9 30 or whatever it is you know and i go in the dark and i get bulls lit up in the dark because that's right. the best time to get these bulls bugling right. and then and then i leave them be and i slip in as it got, gets light you know right right and so right no that's uh th- that's very true um another question that i thought of how you, you you've mentioned several times about snapping a twig or something like that how often do you use non-traditional calls like rubbing Rating. a tree or oh. uh, possibly even uh, doing a little bit of rattling um, or anything like that? Do you, do you use those methods at all? Constantly, every single day. I'm, I'm rubbing trees, and that's a good, good point. I feel bad I didn't bring that up earlier. When you're hunting in that August, 
yep. time, that's a good time to be rubbing a tree because that's what you're yep. listening for. When I say you're hearing a twig break, and this is another non-traditional thing is when I'm slipping in on a bull and he's bugling really good, a lot of people want to be all quiet and stuff. Dad and I, we run right in there, you know, for the most part, and we're snapping twigs and stuff. And sometimes that's enough to get them to light up, you know. And I usually have a have my bugle tube looks just throttled by the end of the season. I'm sitting there just right, you know? banging on things. Oh yeah, yep. It's it's a uh, sometimes that's even better than bugling at a bull. You can get in tight to them when they're bedded up like that. Start raking a tree, and that'll break them too. It's right. a, a tool bag. Look at it. We got a backpack on now with our tools, all the different different things that we've got to kill an elk. That's so. exactly right. Well, and it's fun, for for anyone who hasn't ever heard a bull that is making a rub or that that is t- thrashing a tree. There's nothing quiet about it. Mm-hmm. You can hear it for a long way. And yep. um, you know, when you've got elk that are call shy, or you've slipped in there toward their bedroom or something like that. And you know that they're pressured, and you're you're a little yep. bit worried about possibly spooking them off. Those other noises are very good ways to get that bull up and out of. The, you've just yep. got to make it sound like something an elk would be doing. Yep, yep, and it can it could be from it can be from just a to a you know yep. it's, it's it's definitely it's both it it's it's a. It's and it's there's nothing not elky about it. If you get a stick and a tree, and I usually try to find one that's got twigs that are up and down it that actually you can rake on instead of just a bare tree, you know. Right. So that, it's cracking pop. some. It's popping yeah. a little bit, and so it gives it. It, it can it can really pop the bubble for those bulls. Sure, and a bull that is bedded down with all of his cows actually just cracking a couple of limbs. If he doesn't know that there's a human around and the wind is right. Cracking a couple limbs sends a signal to that bull that maybe one of his cows is still over there. There's, Very you know, uh, there's a bunch of different things that that guy can can end up thinking. Um, but it's 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 always amazing to me how few people kind of think outside of the box with some mm-hmm. of those sounds. Um, yeah. And I've, you know, I've never really rattled for elk, um, but there are people that make. Uh, rattle boxes that are designed to sound like bigger, heavier horns. Um, And I've heard, you know, bulls fighting out there and I've heard them from a distance sparring Mm -hmm. and boy, it's a very distinctive sound that travels for a heck of a long way. You know, it it might be something, quite frankly, that I'm missing out on. Have you ever, have you ever played with it? No, I I honestly haven't. You know, I haven't thought about that, but I mean, there's a... (laughs) I, there's something I got to try now. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, know. Especially that earlier season, maybe when, you know, it's, when they're still bachelored up a little bit. It's that, because you hear them when they get together and they're in early season, they just kind of touch yeah. and tick, 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 tick. Yep. That could, that could definitely be very useful. Yeah. No kidding. I, I, it, it's something that I need to try. I've heard of guys doing it before, but I didn't know whether you'd ever tried it before or not. So, yeah. Well, man, when's your first hunt? <laughs> Um, I think that this year I'm going to, I'm going to start September 4th. You know, I'm not guiding as much anymore now that I've got the full-time gig. So I got a, I got two trips, two hunters, the first two weeks of September. And then we, uh, then I start to get a hunt for myself in Washington and Oregon and 
going to try Colorado this year. So are you really? You and everyone else? <laughs> uh, no, I, I want to go. I want to go and get go shoulder to shoulder with everyone. <laughs> oh man, I you know, uh, yeah. I hope they end up doing something to uh, remedy the situation because it's it is in certain places getting a little out of hand. But yeah, there's still good hunting to be had out there. You just yeah. gotta you just gotta work for it. Yeah, yep, and it's it doesn't always mean walking in twenty miles. No, it doesn't. No, it it, it certainly doesn't. Um, just yeah. got to be smart about things. Yeah. Um, so you've got two or three elk hunts coming up then this year. Yeah, yep, yep. I got a few elk hunts and then two guided hunts that two that I'm going to take some some guys on and and I honestly just like turkey hunting. I just enjoy calling for people more than anything. I just enjoy being out there with people and I. Enjoy, like I'll take my mom and I take my clients and I take and I take my friends and I really just enjoy watching bulls come running in and and watching them get all shaky and stuff. It's, it's a lot. Oh, fun. Yeah. It's a lot more fun watching someone else get shaky than watching myself. <laughs> well, and it's funny because when I'm guiding somebody or uh, I'll I'll still get shaky. Yeah, I'll I still get do. you know, and we've discussed this on this podcast before we've asked a lot of people the question you know if you could only hunt one species for the rest of your life what it what would it be mine's elk um what is it for you what's your number one (laughs) they won't like the answer of this one what is it It's, uh, it's turkeys no doubt well and and I've told a lot of people this too. Elk is number one for me. And when it comes to number two, if I had to step down to a number two, I'm not ready to say turkeys over, over deer, but it is neck and neck. It is, you know, it it is neck and neck with those two. And it's because of the fact that that, the reason elk are my favorite is because of the interaction. Yeah. It's yeah. because of it, yeah. anything that tells you here I come, here I come, here I come before you ever see it yeah. is capable of just breaking you down mentally. It's, it is. It is. And and I, I, I have to retract that because I, I do – elk hunting is so near and dear to my heart. Um, yeah. Turkey hunting is so near and dear to my heart. They're two totally different seasons. I love them both, and they're both in a way similar, you know, and yeah. I mean, actually very, very similar. And – um. I, I don't want to choose, you know, yeah, I don't either. The only good, good thing about Turkey season is I get to hunt them for 60 days instead of 28 days. That's the only, <laughs> the only cool part, you know? Well, I've, I've often called Turkey hunting, uh, uh compared it to hunting little feathered elk. Um, true. and it, it's so funny because the guys that there, there's a lot of guys that talk smack about turkeys and Turkey hunters, you know, that they're, yeah. it's just not for them, you know, and, and I get that and that's fine. If you don't like them, leave them for me. Exactly. Um, but I've I've sat there and I've watched some really really seasoned bow hunters get really jacked up to where they couldn't hardly contain themselves. They are shaking like a leaf and they can't breathe right with a turkey coming in. Yeah. And I it's totally all agree. because of that vocalization saying, yeah. "Here I come, here I come, here I come," and it it just does something to someone. Oh, I totally agree. It's uh, and and I think that if I challenge anybody that likes to elk hunt, I want you to go on a turkey hunt, but I don't want you to go in a field. I want you to yeah. go and hunt mountain turkeys. Where yeah. you hunt them, out, hunt them exactly like elk on logging roads, and you actually hunt them where they're coming through the trees, gobbling the whole way. You're doing the cat and mouse thing. You're not sitting all day because, I mean, 
why it's not whitetail hunting it's a it's a mountain turkey chasing them on foot i'm gonna make them do something type of deal dude bo i you you just said exactly what i have told i don't know how many people yeah and it, me and you need to hunt together one day let's we go all, we'll have a ball because yeah. i that, that it was like a that, i have said that exact same thing verbatim it is a very exciting hunt done the right way like that yeah. if you're hunting them like you are elk holy smokes it's just it's a completely different ball game than sitting on the edge of some field in a blind and just sitting there waiting yeah. for them. Yeah, and, I, and you know? don't get me wrong. I'll shoot elk yeah. and I'll shoot turkeys that way. But me too. Yeah, me too. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's, um, it's being a killer, though. It's, you know, being able to hunt them in the field. And in the, but you go on the mountain one time, and I promise you'll be hooked. <laughs> yeah, that's, I, I could not agree with you more. Well, brother, we're getting to about an hour now, and before we get off of here, I want to let people know how to find you. Um, I was just looking at your uh, at your Instagram page here, and it's Bow Hunter sixty six B E A U Hunter. So it's when we're saying Bow Hunter, it's B E A U, as in Bow Brooks. Um, so Bow Hunter sixty six. So your your YouTube channel you were talking about, what is that? Um, we I don't have a lot on it. It's just um, bow hunting. It's B E A U hunting, and it's got a got one really good cow calling video on it and i'm actually on my tiktok it's bo brooks and i'm going to do a lot of elk calling stuff here from now until the end of september and um a lot of that you know 15 to 30 year olds have seen a lot of that and i'll make sure to be posting it on my uh social media as well on my instagram and i yeah for us us old guys that don't do tiktok yet (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah well don't i don't know if it's the best thing in the world to but, uh, you know, if I can help some people, man, I, uh, yeah. I, I'm huge on it. And then that's turkey calling on there. There's waterfowl calling. There's, and, and there's elk calling. So there's this, all, the whole thing. They, they call me the translator. So, <laughs> well, Bo, honest to God, it, it's, you know, I'm twice your age. And uh, it is great to see young guys like you, man. Um, you're, you, uh, you're doing us all proud. And, I can't wait to see you on top of the podium there one of these days. You're going to be. It's coming. It. It's coming. So Fingers crossed. Yeah. Well, man, thanks for, thanks for uh, joining us today, man. I appreciate it. It was such a, such a pleasure. All right. Hope everybody enjoyed it. <laughs>